The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hello and welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is a fantastic copywriter and marketer. His name is Tom Trush. Go to rightwaysolutions.com to find out more. Tom, thank you very much for being with me today. Thank you, Joey. I appreciate the opportunity. Before we begin, here's a quick introduction to Tom. Tom is a direct response copywriter, marketing strategist, and the founder of Rightway Solutions in Phoenix, Arizona. Tom has helped business owners in 126 different industries to develop marketing materials that attract attention and create customers. In addition to working with clients across the globe, Tom shares his educational approach to marketing at seminars and workshops, as well as in his own information products. He firmly believes you can't go wrong in your marketing when you show desire and a compassion for helping people. His work regularly appears in offline periodical sales literature and on several online sites, including the American Express Open Forum, Lawyer Marketing Alert, and All Top. Tom is also the author of The Reluctant Writer's Guide to Creating Powerful Marketing Materials, 61 Easy Ideas to Attract Prospects and Get More Customers, and The U Effect, How to Transform Ego-Based Marketing into Captivating Marketing Messages that Create Customers. So Tom, once again, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Joey. I appreciate it. Tom, could you first of all give us a little bit of background about yourself and how you got into marketing and copywriting? Sure, sure. Well, uh, you know, this is something that it wasn't something I set out to do, really, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, even back in college, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I remember taking a class, um, a career decision-making class, and it, I still, you know, even after taking that, I hadn't narrowed it down. But one thing that I knew is that, you know, I love sports, and uh, I played basketball for a couple years in college, and I thought, well, you know, I think it'd be awesome to be able to go to sporting events and uh, write about sporting events. And, uh, you know, of course, as a as a reporter, you have the best seat in the house. And uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to go into journalism, and uh, my game plan is to write about sports. So that's where I started is um, – I I had an internship at a uh, health and fitness publication. I started covering some uh, like triathlons, different running events, and I, it was great because I got to go out to these events and and interview people and get that experience. But uh, what I realized quickly is that uh, there was it, it was going to take quite a bit to have a successful career, uh, one that actually is going to make money as a uh, a journalist and. So I started looking a little bit you know, elsewhere after doing the internship, and I got a, a job at a newswire service. And I was a editor and newsroom supervisor for a uh, this newswire service. Basically what we'd do is we'd get press releases, and we'd send out the press releases to wherever um, the clients would want it to go around the globe. Uh, so what that did is, though, it opened my eyes to um, marketing copy and what companies were doing to promote themselves, uh, especially from a, a PR perspective. And in looking at that copy, I, I was thinking, boy, you know, it seems like this could be written much better. But I never really did 
much about it. You know, I just kind of, it was always in the back of my mind. And I was at the Newswire service for a while, and uh, I happened to go to the library one time, and I stumbled across this book called, you may have heard of it, called The Well-Fed Writer by Peter Bowerman. And uh, just picked it up by chance and uh, brought it home and uh, started reading it, and it opened up my eyes to this whole new world. And, you know, prior to it, I didn't realize that there were companies out there that would hire people to write their copy for you. I thought it was basically just a, you know, you get a job maybe as a PR person or, um, you know, some kind of media relations professional, and then you could write copy uh, for the company. You just work for the company. I didn't realize that on a freelance basis, uh, companies, they set aside budgets. And uh, that book really opened my eyes to that. And, uh, you know, I, I thought, well, geez, you know, Maybe that's what I want to do. Because one of the things with being a journalist, I didn't like the idea of just doing, uh, you know, always being on deadline. And the deadline took priority over the quality of the copy or the, uh, you know, how in depth you could get with the the articles that you were doing. So deadline was always the priority, and there, it was kind of, uh, you know, deadline over quality. And I hated that. And, and I and I thought that you know, getting into marketing copy, that you know, that's a way that you can start focusing. Uh, more attention on the quality, and then um, you know you start bringing in that direct as- direct um, response aspect where you know you're putting some effort into seeing what can get people to take action just because of something that they read. And I just you know I love that challenge. And this was like back in 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 2001. And I thought, well, you know, I'm still working at the Newswire service. I thought, but this is what I really want to do. So why don't I just start on the side and seeing if there's any interest out there. And uh, because at the Newswire service, people would call in. They say, man, we really don't want to write this copy. You know anybody that you could recommend? And uh, I couldn't really say anything. But uh, to be honest, you know, I'd go home at night and I would contact these clients and say, hey, we've got to keep this kind of quiet. You know, yeah, I, I would love to write this copy. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I started doing that. And uh, by the end of 2004, I had, I had uh, built up a client base just working on uh, part time. That, you know, I finally said, you know, this is it. No more the newswire service. I'm going to, you know, jump out on my own. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where, where things took off. Uh, it was interesting. As soon as I put in my notice, we found out, uh, that my wife was, wife was pregnant with, uh, our first daughter. I was like, uh oh, yeah, this has got to work now. And, uh, you know, fortunately that, that put some added pressure on me, the pressure that I needed. And, um, you know, I've been on my own doing the uh, direct response copywriting since the end of 2004. So that's, uh, I guess, a, a short version of the long story. I mean, there's lots of other things that went on in between there, but you know, that's the Cliff's Notes version. So in a way, you learned to write first of all, and then you learned the marketing side of things, and then combined the two to a point where you were able to go it alone and become a freelance copywriter. So that's a great story. So for my first question, what would you say are some of the most common mistakes that you see companies make in their marketing materials? Well, here's something that, you know, that, that's really big. And this is something that's kind of the overall theme when I'm talking to clients. And that is that, uh, in their marketing pieces, the focus is too much on the company and not on the prospects. And, you know, so you can see a lot of times that, uh, say they're putting out an ad or something. Well, the, the primary focus of that ad is going to be on a, a company name or this logo and it takes up all the attention. And, uh, I mean, you see this all the time on marketing pieces, you know, whether that be in ads, uh, you know, online on websites, brochures, whatever it is, 
where this it's just too much attention is on the company and the greatness behind the company. They want to say how long we've been in business and we've got this great staff and you know, yada 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 whatever. You know, and what they don't realize it's the prospects. You need to talk directly to or, to your prospects and think about you know what are your prospects' problems and then use your marketing copy to address those problems and. Um, you know, I think one of the easiest ways to take the focus off your company and, uh, you know, as I, you know, you mentioned my second book and that's kind of what, what I focus on in my second book is this ego based marketing. Uh, one of the, the, the ways that you can really take the attention off you or your company is to really think about, again, those prospect problems. What questions do they have? And, uh, you know, my background, uh, you know, just from a, a family perspective, you know, both my parents were teachers. My wife is a teacher. And, uh, you know, with my marketing, I really think about from, I, I look at myself as a teacher, you know, teaching prospects how to solve their problems through uh, a company's marketing. So the common questions they're having, what information should they know? And really making that the focus of a marketing piece and not the logo, not the company name. So, you know, the, the main thing I, I see education over pitching. I, I mean, if there's any, you know, one item I like to draw attention to is, you know, educate your prospects because we all have this inner desire to know more than what we already know. I mean, we're, we're naturally cur- curious. And if we have problems, a lot of times if you have a really pressing problem, you can't stop thinking about it. But if you look at a marketing piece that it gives you some answers to those problems, well, you're not. Nat- you could be attracted to that marketing piece. And you compare that to a, a marketing piece where all you're doing is pitching. Well, there's no connection there. Sure. I mean, it's, it's really interesting, Tom, because it's almost an unnatural way to think and write, isn't it? We experience the world from inside our own head. So that is why, naturally, the tendency is to be ego-driven when you're writing it from your point of view. But actually, you need to see it from your market's point of view. So how do we do that? Is it a difficult process? And could you give us a couple of tips on how to actually forget ourselves and focus on them? Sure. Sure. Well, you know, it's easiest to write about you or your company. I mean, it's, it's familiar. And so that's, that's why you see it so often because that you could just fall back on it. You know, your company, you know, your business, you, you know, your business, you know yourself. So, Hey, why not write about us? Uh, but you know, you can switch that around and, and, you know, again, going back to those common questions you hear, uh, every business has certain things that prospects ask right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you have to think about those. And, you know, I say, you know, why continuously repeat those answers, it, whether it be on a phone call, whether it be, um, in an email, you know, put that information out in, your marketing materials and distribute that information to as you know as many people as uh, as possible. And I know uh, you know you're in the uh, you know with, with your business, and I know you're familiar with repurposing content. And uh, especially when you have when you're addressing these problems or these questions, you want to get that out uh, in in multiple forms. You know whether it be in print, whether it be in audio, whether it be in in video. And just, uh, you know, distribute that out to as many places as possible because then it helps establish your credibility and it helps establish, uh, trust. Uh, also, you know, when you're writing about your, your product or service, you have to think about, you know, what are the, the obstacles that are preventing your prospects from, from buying or from taking the action that you want to take. Mm-hmm. And you need to address those as early as possible in, your marketing copy because people are naturally going to be hesitant. You know, whether they're looking at a, at a marketing piece, an ad, whatever, 
uh, especially an ad where you know people know when they're looking at an ad that there's going to be something that's going to get pitched to them. Well, you got to go beyond that barrier. You got to make sure and understand that you know what you're providing is uh, you know something of value. It, it's worth reading. Would you recommend sometimes having a formal FAQ section on your website or within your marketing materials? Or do you just slip it in a little bit less obvious, but nonetheless, you're still answering those objections? Well, I think you could do both. And in fact, uh, you know, if you have an FAQ, each answer to your common questions, to your, your, your most frequently asked questions, I mean, that's, uh, you know, whether that be an article or uh, just a little blurb on your website, I think it should be, a, a, you know, have some priority placement uh, so that that's something that your prospects see. Because if they have this question or they have this problem in their head and then, you, they get an answer to it before they even have to contact you. Well, that helps establish an instant connection. And again, it goes back to that trust and credibility. It's like you've stepped into that prospect's mind and, and, uh, you know, they realize that you know what they're thinking. Whereas, you know, on the flip side, uh, you know, they read a marketing piece, most marketing pieces, and it's all about the company or, uh, you know, how great the company is, you now have a marketing piece that's addressing what's in your prospects' minds, and uh, that's much more powerful, and uh, that's what's going to create a connection. For you, what are the absolute fundamental items that you must have in place in any marketing piece to give yourself the best possible opportunity for securing leads? Well, I think the, you know, the common answer to that, you know, if you, if you, if you're going from an ego-based marketing perspective is, you know, you think you have to have your company name and you think you have to have your logo. And, you know, I, you know, tend to go away from that. And, you know, I say, if anything, if we're taking it down to an absolute minimum, the three things you need to have are a headline, an offer, and a call to action. Now, if you look at most, uh, marketing, especially ego-based marketing, those are three things that you often don't see. Like the headline may be just the company name. And, uh, and then you might see a logo next to it. But you have to realize, you know, a prospect's, prospect's buying decisions, they have nothing to do with your name or your logo. And so uh, why should that take the priority in your marketing piece? Now, granted, there are big companies out there, you know, say Coke, Amazon, all those, where they have these huge budgets. And they can afford to do that. But most businesses... You know, the, you just don't have the budget. You don't have the time. You don't have the energy to, to be able to dedicate, you know, uh, you know, in some cases, an expensive marketing piece to just putting out a logo or a, a company name. So, you know, I say start off with your headline. Think about what's that primary problem that your prospects have and how can you address that. And, and one of the easiest ways to create a headline is to uh, think about, you know, I, I heard this, I forgot where I heard this mentioned, but it's it's such a great tip. Uh, where you have to think about yourself almost like a headline genie. If, if you were standing in front of your ideal prospect and you said that you could grant any wish related to your, uh, the, the product or service that you provide, what would your prospect want? Uh, because you gotta think about your prospect doesn't want your product or service. What they want is the end result that your product or service provides. And so if you could figure that out, then, you know, that's an easy way to create, uh, an attention grabbing headline. And then, uh, you know, the offer, you have to you know, offer your prospects something. And a lot of times, uh, you know, I, I'm of the, the belief that most prospects, you know, they want the ability to collect information, especially when they're shopping for a product or service, without human interaction. 
And it's just more comfortable. You think about you go into a mall, say you're shopping for jeans or something. Uh, you walk into a store and, and immediately somebody a lot of times is on you. And you're, and they're like, Oh, can I help you? Can I help you? Well, you know, what's your response a lot of times? Like, Oh, I, hey, I'm just looking. I'm just looking. You know, you just don't like that pressure. And so I like to, you know, with an offer a lot of times is to, uh, start establishing that relationship to build credibility and trust and deliver some type of information with my offer that doesn't require human interaction. Uh, and again, it goes about back to thinking about your prospects. Granted, if you're in business, you want prospects to call you to, to instantly pick up that phone and, and, you know, want to, you know, open up their wallets and, and spend money with you. But the reality is, uh, you know, you have to build credibility and trust these days and, and promise it. This. I mean, they're thrown around like rice at a wedding, especially online these days. So you've got to, to create that uh, that credibility and trust first. So uh, you, know, you have to have that offer. And then the final thing is the call to action. Uh, you can't just put a phone number. You just can't put a website. You have to tell your prospects exactly what to do and then give them a reason to do it. What sort of examples, Tom, in terms of the online world, what kind of calls to action specifically? Because you said leading people to a website is maybe not enough. How can we give stronger calls to action? Well, I mean, something, you know, you can still direct people to a website, but then tell them something specific on the website. I mean, a lot of times uh, with like pay-per-click and stuff where you'll see your, there'll, there'll be an ad to direct you over to a website, but then you, know, you go over to the website and what was promoted in the ad, you have a hard time finding on the website. You can't find it. Uh, so you know, if you're going to a website, maybe it's a special report that you're giving away, a video series, or uh, you know, like like we're doing here, some kind of a an interview, uh, something that's going to immediately establish some type of value that helps build your credibility and trust, but also helps establish you as an authority uh, in your industry. So, I'm not against directing people to a website because I mean, a website is a great place where you can deliver liver information without human interaction. It's just if you're going to direct somebody there, give them something specific to look for, to request. And, you know, I'm a big fan of developing lists. And, um, you know, on a website, it's a great opportunity to uh, collect email addresses. And, you know, if you have a website where you're not collecting email addresses uh, in exchange for some type of information, well, you're missing a huge, huge opportunity. Uh, so, you know, by all means, direct people to a website but just you know, give them a reason to be there and then deliver some information of value. And if we're new to our industry, how can we compete on a marketing level with our competitors who are more well-known than we are, have more experience, and have a bigger budget? What can we do to compete in such a competitive environment? Well, I think it goes back to uh, educating your prospects. And you have this advantage because most marketing uh, is focused on, you know, like I said before, this ego-based approach. And uh, where you can Im- immediately establish yourself is if you're delivering, uh, you know, valuable information in your marketing. And um, whenever I'm putting together a marketing piece, it was, um, you know, Gary Bensavenga, who was, you know, a very well-known copywriter. He had this, uh, you know, this concept that he came up with where uh, he had, he specifically related it towards advertising, but, you know, it can, it can go over into marketing as well. But the idea is, when you create a marketing piece, you want it so valuable. You want the information that you're providing to be so valuable that prospects would not want to throw it away. And, uh, you know, they would just cringe if they had to throw it away. So I think about that every time I'm putting together a, a marketing piece is the information that I'm delivering of so much value that the prospects would just cringe to throw it away. 
And if you're providing valuable information, educational information, you know, it's, it's likely that your prospects are going to keep that. So that, keep that, that marketing piece. So that's the first thing. Um, another thing is, uh, do things to help establish yourself as authority. Now, just delivering educational information, that's going to help establish you as authority. But also, you can send out press releases uh, so that you can – and it's not press releases that are focused on you or your company, but maybe there's a you know a topic in your industry that's in the news. You know, maybe you have some insight to provide uh, on that topic. So you can start being viewed as a, you know, a resource in your industry and – uh, you know, when you're when you're dealing with the media, you have to think about from the the, the media's perspective, their audience. You know, what can you deliver to the media that would help entertain or educate their audiences? And uh, you know, so press releases are are a great thing if you're looking to you know educate an audience. And then even like you know what what you're doing here, where you're interviewing people in industries you know related to yours, um, you can take you know just look at who are some some people in your industry that are you know, well-known figures or that are, are established authorities. And you can contact those people and, you know, ask for interviews, ask for insight, because then you get, you know, it, it's like your prospects now see you communicating with a, uh, an authority in the industry, somebody that they already know. Well, naturally, they're going to connect the two of you, you know, and, and, you know, it's one of those things where you can kind of, you know, Jump over everybody else, and and your credibility can now LinkedIn be linked in with somebody else in your industry. So, I mean, those are just a, a a few ideas, and I mean, there there are much more. I think the main thing is just think about educating your prospects. What way can you educate your prospects? Because everybody else can be focused focused on talking about how great their companies are, but if you focus on educating your prospects and giving them good, valuable information, that's immediately going to help. Um, you establish yourself in your industry. So what are some specific words that you use in your marketing copy to better persuade your prospects? Well, I'll give you a, a couple. And I'll first tell you my, you know, a combination of two words that uh, these are my, my absolute favorite to use in marketing pieces. And those are the words how to. And again, we're going back to that educational component. Uh, and you think about, you know, what's a, you know, some kind of problem related to your uh, product or service that your prospects have, and you can you know put out a marketing piece how to do you know whatever X Y Z whatever it is. Think about that that problem because you know I said it before we have this we're naturally curious we have the desire to know so, you know know more than what we already do know and uh, you know when you see the words how to you immediately know that you're going to get some kind of insight into the problem that's presented in that headline and so. Uh, I call, you know, how to, you know, I, I put out a, an article about the words how to, and I call it the two most powerful words you can use during a recession. And, you know, Grand, uh, you know, for the last few years, you know, the economy's gone through some tough times. And, you know, you think about when, when times are tough, you know, people, if they're out of work, you know, a lot of times they're going back to, to school. They're trying to learn new trades. So they, they're naturally in this mindset of learning. And how to is is a way that you can really you know, tap into that mindset and really take advantage of what your prospects are thinking. So that's the first uh, the first two words I like to use. Uh, the second one, the second tip uh, is a word that uh, you know Robert Cialdini uh, has quite a few studies of this one in his book Influence: The Psychology of Persuasion. 
And uh, the word is because. And uh, in his book, he talked about an example where uh, there was a social psych- uh, psychologist and uh, she was at a library and she was attempting to uh, you know, cut in front of several people that were at, at a copier. And I don't know if you read this book. Are you familiar with the study, Joey? Yes, I have read the book. I can't remember the exact study that you're referring to, but I have read the book many years ago. Yeah, basically, I mean, what it was was, you know, she's in this line and there's a whole bunch of people in line and uh, uh, she wants to find a way to cut up to the front. And so she gave a bunch of different uh, you know, statements to see what would work. And the bottom line is, I mean, you, you can read the whole study in the book, but uh, she found that uh, when she used the the word because in her statement, like, uh, you know, I have five copies, may I use the Xerox machine because I have to make some copies. You know, this, uh, a statement like that, she had a far greater response. Like people were very uh, open to letting her cut. And, uh, you know, this test was done multiple times. And you know, always it came back to was the word because. And so because is a word that I try to incorporate into my copy quite a bit because you have to give people reasons why that you're making a request. I mean, it's just something in the mind that we're not naturally looking for. If we have a request, if you just tell somebody to do something, well, you know, yes, some people will do it, uh, but you have to give them a reason why. And, and because is kind of one of those magic words. You, you make a statement and then you put in the word because and you give a valid reason, a valid reason why, then uh, you know, you're much more, more likely to get responses. Absolutely. How to and because. Those are some you know, a couple of real quick ones that you can start using immediately. Okay, fantastic. What are some ways that we can create desire for our product or service? Well, I think it comes back to the, uh, you know, the, the credibility and, uh, you know, the trust aspect, uh, where, you know, people like to do business, people they know, like, and trust. And, uh, if you are focused on developing some good educational, valuable material, well, you know, people are naturally going to, uh, gravitate towards you because they're going to feel comfortable with you. Uh, but then I guess one of, uh, you know, another strategy that, that you can, you can use is this whole idea of thinking about the end result with your product or service. Cause that's what your prospect wants. Uh, you know, I mentioned before, it's not the, your product or service, you know, so if you're marketing your product or service, the, the specific product or service, stop doing that. Start, you know, targeting that end result. Because again, we're, we're going back to, you know, we buy things for emotional reasons and then back those reasons up with logic. And so if you start thinking about that end result, what, what is the thing that your prospects are looking for because of your product or service? And, um, you know, one of the great all-time copywriters, Eugene Schwartz, was just a master at doing what's called future pacing. And future pacing is basically you take uh, a an idea, an end result that your prospects have, and uh, you explain you know what it's going to be like to experience that. And he has this great ad uh, where it was for a memory product. And I wish I had the the exact text here in front of me, but uh, basically what it is is he set the stage. You know, he's, he's he was selling this memory product. I think it was a book or something, and um, he set up this situation where. You know, you have now have this knowledge. So, you know, imagine now you're going to be sitting at, you know, all your friends are going to be around you and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be kind of the, the focus of attention and you're going to have so and so say, you know, give you a list of numbers and you're going to be able to repeat those numbers back, you know, in, in specific order. But, you know, it, obviously the copy was much 
much more uh, elaborate to that and much more much better. But what he does is he just takes this ideal situation that he knows his prospects are having, and uh, you know, granted, this was this is quite a while ago because uh, you know Eugene Schwartz isn't around anymore. But he takes about those you know this ideal situation, and then he makes this mental movie of you you know placing yourself in this situation, and it just it helps create desire for that for that product because. Uh, it's the end result. It's what you're looking for. Yeah, that it's what you want because of that product or service. It's not the actual product or service. So, um, you know, look at, you know, dig online and find some Eugene Schwartz ads. And I mean, almost every one of his ads has this future pacing element where um, it it just it creates this mental moving. It's absolutely brilliant stuff. So if you could do that in your copy, it's definitely going to uh, increase desire for what you offer. Tom, people are super busy these days, especially online. There are so many distractions. So how can we keep people interested in our marketing? Well, there's three things. Um, the first one, and it is this, this is very, very blunt, but you know, stop talking about yourself. <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, in marketing, it's just so common to talk about you or your company or whatever. And granted, there is a place, especially if, if, uh, you know, you're marketing yourself, there is a place to talk about yourself. Um, you know, there is a time for that because people want to see that you're a real person and you want to give insight to even, you know, how you're living your, your day to day life because, you know, that gives something, uh, an aspect of, of, of you that people can relate to. So yes, there is a time and place for that, but, you know, in most marketing copy, all it is is about companies and, and, you know, the people at the company. So one, you know, stop talking about yourself. Uh, the, the second one, and we've already gone over this is, you know, addressing your prospects problems. That's what they're looking for your product or service for. Mm-hmm. You know, they have, have this problem that they need solved. So your marketing needs to address your prospects problems. And then the, the final one is just, you know, delivering exceptional value, and it goes back to the the Gary Bensavenga tip I gave before. You, know, you want to make your marketing, you know, you want to make it so valuable that people just don't want to throw it away. And if there's just one tip, you know, one thing that'll make you a better copywriter, a better marketer, is if you just use that one tip. Just look at that that your your piece of paper, your blank screen, and think of yourself. You know, you're almost like an artist. You know, an artist starts with a blank canvas. There's nothing there. But the value of what they provide, uh, you know, it goes up depending on what they put on that canvas or that page. And when you're writing marketing copy, you are an artist. You have the ability to create unlimited value in what you distribute out to your prospects. So you know, deliver the most value that you can with each marketing piece. Yeah, fantastic. I've never thought of it that way before, Tom. That's great. Tom, one way of marketing that I love personally as an internet marketer is email marketing. And I love it just because it's a good, low-cost way to reach people. Do you have any tips on how to write effective emails that get opened, get read, and get responded to? Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, like you, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of email marketing because, like you said, it's I mean, it's, it's very low cost. Uh, it allows you to develop relationships and uh, you know, unfortunately, there, there is you know people out there that that believe that social media killed uh, email. And uh, boy, if you're doing email marketing, then uh, you realize that you know that that carries about as much truth as uh, I don't know a Miss Cleo commercial. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's it, it, it's just you know social media is just another medium, just like email is another medium for reaching yeah. your audience. They 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 can you use them together. Mm-hmm. Um, so. 
I think the main thing with email marketing, and this goes against, I think, uh, what people often think, is if you're doing email marketing, you have to send a lot of emails. And people are afraid, well, you know, if I send a lot of emails, I'm going to get labeled a spammer. You know, people are going to want my emails. But then it goes back to how much value are you delivering in those emails? Yeah, granted, they're going to look at you as a spammer and they're not going to want to read your emails if you're not delivering value in your emails. So, but if you are, then people are going to look forward to it. And so you have to, uh, you know, be consistent in sending your emails and, um, you know, trust relies on consistency. You develop trust as you're more consistent with what you do. So if you decide you want to do email marketing and you send one email today and then you wait, I don't know, well, let's wait. I think today seems like a good day and it's, uh, you know, 25 days later. I think I'll send another one. Well, and then, you know, down the road you send, uh, you know, it's 30 days till you send another one. Well, you know, there's no consistency there. You have to be consistent and regular. You are in sending your emails because then you're going to get it so that if you're delivering value in those emails, people are going to look forward to your emails. That's where the, the, the marketing comes in to where um, you're developing a relationship. And so often with email marketing, it's just pitch, pitch, pitch. You know, you get them on a list and you think, okay, for, let's just start pitching them because now they've already raised their hand. And that's the advantage of email marketing is, you know, once you get people to opt in, whether it's for a free report or whatever, you know, they've raised their hands and, you know, they know. You know that they're interested in what it is you offer. But now, you know, the idea is not to pitch, pitch, pitch over and over. And you have to develop that relationship and provide some value in those emails first uh, before you can start start pitching. And I guess also, you know, with email marketing, it, it comes back to just writing any type of marketing piece. Your subject line is basically your headline. So you have to you know, dedicate attention to that subject line because you've got to get your emails, uh, your emails opened. And, um, yeah, I mean, we can go into a lot of details on the specifics of a, the, the body of an email, but I, you know, I would just go back to if you're doing email marketing, start thinking about, you know, what's the value that you can provide, uh, using email as a, as a marketing medium. Cause it's no different than, um, you know, when you're doing social media, you still want to, you know, develop, you want to deliver value, you want to establish relationships. Um, you know, email is just another way to, establish those relationships, deliver value, and create credibility and trust. Would you say, Tom, that most of your emails should be content-based or do you pitch regularly or do you mix the two, you know, a bit of content and then maybe at the bottom an offer of some kind? How do you balance that or how do you mix it up? Well, I think every email has to have some kind of an offer. It's just like any marketing piece needs to have a call to action. You want people to do something uh, after they read your your emails, and maybe that something might be to go over to your your blog and read a post and maybe comment on it. Um, but then sometimes that call to action may be to actually sell something. I would say you know the the majority of your email should be delivering uh, valuable content. And you know there's not a I would say there's not a, a specific percentage on you know how many emails should be content, how many emails should be um, you know some kind of selling, but uh, I mean, you kind of get a feel of it as you communicate with your list, because when you're communicating, uh, you're you're delivering emails on a consistent basis. People start responding to your emails. They start asking you questions. So then that tells you what they're looking for. And uh, you know, when you have a list as well, you can survey that list. And again, those people will start telling you exactly what they're looking for, and all you have to do is deliver it. And so if you send out a survey and uh, – do you see this response and something specific that you can offer? 
Well, then of course you're going to want to, you know, create a, an email where you're offering that, that, you know, product or service, that information product, whatever it is. So it's, you just kind of have to feel out your list and you got to feel out, you know, what are they looking for? But, you know, don't hesitate to, you know, pitch things to your list. I mean, that's the, uh, you know, that's the advantage you have of developing a list is you have this audience that's readily, um, accepting of your message. And so, you know, you have to still, if you're not pitching to them, if you're not providing some, uh, some product or some service, well, then you're doing them a disservice because, you know, they're looking for something specific. You need to be the one providing it. And if you need to provide it and, you know, get paid for whatever it is that you're providing, well, you know, that's natural. We're all in business. We got to get paid. Absolutely. Definitely we do. Tom, my next question is something I don't know too much about personally, but I know that you have a lot of experience with. The question is, what are some ways of increasing readership and response in newspapers, magazines, and other similar offline publications? Well, I think the the key here is um, you know, making your ad so that it doesn't look like an ad. And, and we touched on this a little bit earlier. When people read ads, they immediately in their mind, they know it's an ad, so they know they're going to get pitched something. Well, I like to take the approach of, you know, making your ad look more like editorial. And, you know, granted in some publications, they're going to slap on a, a label and they're going to have to put on their advertisement. And so that people know it's an advertisement if you want, if you're going the advertorial, uh, route. But still, you know, I don't see any, any problem with that because, um, you know, we go back to value. If you're delivering extreme value with that ad, information that's helpful to the audience reading that magazine reading that newspaper or you know whatever publication it is it doesn't matter if it's in an ad format it doesn't matter if it's an editorial you know it's not like there's something in in your prospect's mind that it's like oh i read this uh and the format looks like an ad oh geez the information is worthless now you know it's if you're delivering value then it doesn't matter you know what format it is that your, your prospects are reading that information. But, you know, I still think if you can make your ads look less like ads and more like editorial, uh, then, you know, one, it's going to help increase your, your readership. Um, and, you know, if you have this enticing headline, you know, something that's going to attract attention, people are going to read it even though it's an ad. And, um, you know, I know that, you know, a lot of people are, they're, they're hesitant to do that. They think, well, then I'm trying to trick people. Well, no, you're not trying to trick people. You're trying to deliver value to people and uh you're trying to trick people if uh you know you're if you're trying to you know sell something and and um you're trying to take advantage of people but if you're looking out for your prospects best interest then you know there's no tricking about it you're just delivering good educational information Last of all, Tom, many businesses aren't able to do as much marketing as they would want to because they've got limited budgets. So what is your best tip for cutting marketing expenses and still having a really effective marketing campaign? Well, I think it comes down to developing lists. Uh, when you have lists, you're able to market to an audience that's already raised their hand and uh, told you that they're interested in what you're providing. Now, one of the issues that I run run in with, especially when I'm talking to prospects for the first time or, or even clients for the first time, is they're constantly chasing after a new audience. They're looking for something, uh, you know, looking for this audience at all times. But when you have your own list, this allows you to market to an audience, an eager audience, whenever you want. And so, like, I'll have, uh, you know, prospects. They'll, they'll they'll call me and they'll say something like. 
well, hey, I just got this opportunity. Uh, there's this newspaper that just started in my neighborhood and I can advertise in here and it's only going to cost me, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever it is. You know, it's going to be something really, really cheap. And I'll say, well, you know, is, is your audience reading that magazine? Are they reading that publication? Well, I don't know, but it's cheap. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, so they'll think it's a great thing to do, but you know, their audience isn't there. But if you have your own list, you know, your audience is there. And so by having your own list, you're not constantly chasing and it gets really expensive if you're constantly chasing after an audience. So, um, you know, that's why it's so advantageous when you have, uh, you know, your marketing pieces or an ad. You know, we talked about directing people over to a, a website. You know, say you run an ad in some kind of a, 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 maybe it's a newspaper or something. You direct them over to a website, give them some information in exchange for a, you know, a free report or whatever it is. Uh, well, then you have that name, you have that email address, and you now can market to those people. And you just uh, gave yourself you know, more value to yourself besides of what you put in to run the ad. So if you spent a hundred bucks to run the ad, well, and, and maybe you didn't get immediate responses. Well, you just collected all these names because they just uh, gave you their email addresses. There's a lot of value there, mm-hmm. and so um, you know, I think the main thing is you know not chasing after these audiences and whatever whatever you're doing, whatever type of marketing piece you're doing, always work on building your list, and and that may be through social media, that may be through email. Um, you know, another email tip. This, this kind of um, you know, to remind me of is when you are sending your emails, uh, put a note, uh, you know, a single line at the bottom of your emails. And I do this on every email that I send out. And it says, you know, please feel free to share this information with the people in your network. And I'll tell you, it is amazing how many people actually do that. Uh, and, and granted, if you're providing information of value, people are naturally going to want to share it. But if you give people direction, and you tell them to do it, they're even more likely to do it. And so then you have somebody share their, your email with somebody else. Well, then they're naturally, you know, they'll, they'll probably go over to your website and then you have an opportunity to capture that email address. So then you're building your list off of your own email marketing. So you always have to think about how can you develop your list? And, uh, you know, I know we're talking, you know, touching on email quite a bit, but, you know, snail mail as well. I mean, it's incredible opportunity sending through the old fashioned mail, putting a stamp on something and sending it through the email because so many people are moving away. Uh, they don't see the, uh, the opportunity in snail mail, but there's incredible opportunity. There's less, uh, there's less attention. There's less competition. Mm-hmm. And there's often now when you receive something in the mail, there's more value associated with it. Uh, you know, you get an email, you can easily delete that. If you deliver something through snail mail, Especially if you get your, you know, it's a whole other thing getting your your envelopes open so people can actually see what you offer. Um, but if you're develop or if you're delivering something uh, through snail mail and you get that opened, well, there's there's that perceived value now because there's less people sending through snail mail. So um, yes, develop your list through email, but also develop your list through um, you know sending the old-fashioned way of just snail mail as well. Sure. Okay. Obviously, sending snail mail is more expensive than sending an email. Do you have any tips for any first-timers, Tom, anyone that's never sent snail mail before, uh, on how they could keep the cost down or, or at least test first maybe or to begin with? Any tips for those of us who are on a you know fairly tight budget? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, with, with snail mail, yes, you definitely want to test. 
Um, but I think, you know, the tip that I would give, if you're just getting started in snail mail, yes, you can go out there and you can buy lists and you can get really narrowly targeted lists, um, you know, through a, through a broker. Um, but I would say if you're just getting started, start with the people who already know you and, um, develop that first before you go out and start, um, you know, buying lists. Cause, you know, maybe it's as simple as just sending out an email to your list and saying that, uh, you know, you're going to start doing some snail mail. And, uh, if you're delivering, this goes back to delivering value through your emails. If you're delivering value and then you just send out an email to your list and say, um, you know, I'm thinking about starting this, uh, you know, a, a tip sheet and I'm going to be sending it, uh, via snail mail. If you'd like to receive it, um, you know, just reply back with your, uh, address. And, you know, that's something that I did that exact thing when I started sending snail mail. It works like a charm because you've already established that um, relationship with your email list. Well, now you can also communicate with them through uh, snail mail. And, you know, they're they're giving you uh, permission to do that. Now, also, you have your clients. And uh, if anything... Most businesses, they don't communicate that often with their clients after they've already collected a paycheck. You know, it's like, all right, I got paid, I'm done. <laughs> and, uh, you know, snail mail is a great way to stay in contact. And of course you want to, you can do it through email too, but, you know, snail mail, it goes back to the perceived value of what you're receiving in the email now that, that fewer people are using, uh, snail mail. Uh, there's some value with when they, when people get something through the, the mail. So, uh, communicate with your clients as well through snail mail. And, you know, what that allows you to do once you're, when you communicate through snail mail with people who already know you, well, then you start working out the kinks and you, you just send one package out and you already, you immediately know, well, hey, I want to do this differently next time. And you'd rather, you know, do that on the cheap where you're, you're communicating on a small scale than if you just go out and you buy this list and then, uh, you know, you, you mail to the list and you spend a lot more money mailing to the list. Now, granted, when you do get a list and you buy a list, of course, you want to test, you know, small before, you know, you don't want to buy a 5,000 name list and send all 5,000 right off the bat. You know, segment it out a bit. You know, try something to the first thousand and then, you know, another thousand, change something up. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's some, you know, a quick tip with your snail mail. Yeah, that is great. I love as well that you said it's kind of like the whole opt-in thing. Online, people opt into your email list. And I guess, like you were saying there, it's the same as snail mail. You may not have a huge list of hundreds or thousands of people to mail to when building it yourself, but they're definitely going to be very targeted, aren't they? Which is uh, exactly what we want. Tom, before we end, could you tell us about your first book, The Reluctant Writer's Guide to Creating Powerful Marketing Materials? 61 Easy Ideas to Attract Prospects and Get More Customers. Sure. Yeah, that book, uh, you know, I wrote that book because what, who I was targeting with it is that reluctant writer. Who is that person that took on the role of, of marketing writer in a company? Because I was running into a lot of people who, you know, they had this role. I mentioned back when I worked at the, the Newswire service, there was a lot of people that would call up and they say, well, you know, geez, we don't want to write this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, these would be, you know, they're, they're PR people and they don't want to write their own press releases. And so it's just kind of this light bulb went off. I was thinking there's so many people out there that, uh, they have to write, they, or they think that they're not a good writer. And boy, you know, it's just, you don't have to be a great writer to be, to get uh, responses on your marketing. And I know that, you know, some people may hear that, you know, some other copywriters and think, oh no, you've got to be a great writer, but you don't. I mean, 
Yeah, and, and I wanted to give some information to people to give them quick tips so that they can, you know, start getting responses on their marketing, even if they're not a great writer, or even if they, they've taken on this role reluctantly. And so there's 61 ideas in there. And, you know, each idea is a chapter. And you can read the book cover to cover and you can, you know, get all these ideas at once. But, um, what I did with this book is made it so that pretty much you can open up anywhere in the book. And you can read, you know, whatever page you land on and you can have a tip that you can start using immediately. And so that was the whole idea because, you know, when you're a reluctant writer and you don't like writing, well, you know, why should you have to spend hours upon hours, you know, you know, thumbing through this book and reading every single word and grant, yeah, I want people to read every single word because I mean, there's some good, valuable information in there, but I also want to make it easy on them. You know, I want them, if they don't want to read cover to cover, you know, open it up and get a quick tip and you'll start applying that tip and then move on to the next one. Cause if you're going to try to implement all 61, you know, that's overwhelming. <laughs> that's really overwhelming. So, you know, pick a few tips and then, you know, move on to the next one. That sounds like a fantastic idea. I love the fact that it's almost like a reference guide. And I know this personally, Tom, that business owners are always looking for ways to get more customers. So who wouldn't want 61 new easy ideas of how to do that? Can you tell us a little bit more about your second book, The U Effect? That book, it's very, it's similar to the first book in that the format, uh, where, you know, you can pretty much open anywhere and get, um, you know, a tip that you can start applying. But the focus of this book is all about, um, the ego-based marketing and how to transform your marketing from ego-based and creating compelling messages that create customers, uh, just by making slight changes in, your marketing copy. And we touched on it quite a bit that most marketing is ego-based. And I called it the U effect uh, for a couple reasons. And when people see, you know, it's not talking about like you as in like, you know, me or, or you, Joey. It's you as the prospect. It's you as the actual word you. And uh, from at, uh, you know, at Yale, there was a study that was done and what it was where it was in the psychology department, again, several years ago, uh, where they took the highest response ads. And, and I forgot what the time frame was, but it, it's mentioned in the, in the book. And uh, what they did is they analyzed these ads that were, that were getting these great responses. They wanted to see if there was some relationship between the words that were used in the ads. And so they started analyzing and see what is the most uh, common word uh, to come up with the most persuasive word. And, you know, all these studies, what they kept coming back to was the most common word in these most persuasive ads was the word you. And uh, so basically that's, you know, tar- talking directly to your prospects. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of the ideas in the books are, you know, around that, you know, talking directly to your, pro- your prospects, using lots of yous and yours in your copy. And, you know, Ted Nicholas, uh, he has this, this test that he does on any copy that he reads that he's critiquing where he'll draw two lines down or draw a line down a single piece of paper. So he has two columns on the left column. He'll put the words you and your on the right column. He'll put the words we are and then your company name. It'll go through the copy and he'll put a check mark on the number of times you see you and your, and then he'll put check mark for all the time that he sees we are or your company name. And then he'll tally them up. And what often happens is you see all these check marks in the we are or your company name and very few in the you and the your column. And so uh, that's how you know that you're marketing, that you have an issue with your marketing, <laughs> that, yeah. you know, it's all about uh, you or your company. You know, so you have to think about, uh, you know, your copy as being just a conversation you're having with prospects. And when you're talking to, to um, 
you know, you and I are talking. We're, we talk using like yous and yours and stuff. We're not saying, you know, giving our company name. We're not doing we and our and we're the greatest at this. And, you know, that's just, it's uncomfortable. And I use the analogy of, you know, when you have copy like that where there's not a lot of focus on the yous and the yours and it's all about we are your company name. It's, it's like that guy you meet at a party where, you know, immediately you start talking to him and, uh, anything that you say, he has something to top it. He's got a story that, you know, is greater than what you can say. All of his comments are all about him. He's the funniest person in the room. And you, know, you just hate talking to those people. Well, it's the same thing with marketing copy. When the copy is all about the company, it, there's nothing enjoyable about reading it. But when it's about you and, uh, you know, when you're writing that copy from your prospect's perspective, well, then, you know, it's like having that conversation because, you know, again, the conversation's all about, um, you know, you and, and, you know, the attention's on you, not on, you know, somebody else. So, uh, that, that's kind of the, the, the foundation for that, the book, The You Effect. And, uh, you know, the main thing is, you know, using lots of yous and yours in your copy. And so, um, like the, the Reluctant Writer's Guide to Creating Powerful Marketing Materials, the chapters are short. They're designed to give you just quick, instant, uh, tips that you can start applying immediately. So where can we uh, buy the books? Are they on your website? Are they on Amazon? Both of them have their own websites. Uh, the U Effect, the website is theueffectbook.com. And if you go there, you can get a, um, a free chapter. Uh, the Reluctant Writer's Guide to Creating Powerful Marketing Materials, that one is available at powerfulmarketingmaterials.com. Uh, but then also on uh, Amazon. So I guess the easiest way for, for both the books uh, you can just go to Amazon. You can pick them up. Great. And finally, do you have a newsletter, any products or events or anything else that we should know about? Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the website to get on, uh, you know, like, you know, I don't really call it a, uh, a newsletter. It's just mostly I email my list, um, once or twice a week, which just, you know, good tips, educational tips that, uh, you know, people can use and apply to their marketing. And if you go to rightwaysolutions.com, that's W R I T E. W-A-Y-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com, rightwaysolutions.com. You know, that's where you can uh, sign up. And uh, you know, once you opt in there, then you start getting notified of, you know, any uh, information products that I put, that I make available, you know, announcements about the books. Um, and then just, you know, getting good educational uh, material to help with your marketing. So that's where I would direct people to get information about, you know, information products. And then uh, just if they just want to get free advice, um, you know, I, like I said, I send out once, twice a week and, um, it's just good, valuable information. Great. That's it for today. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show. All right. Well, thank you, Joey. I really appreciate it. A great time. And, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to, to allow me to, to share my information. The online marketing show every day with Joseph Bushnell, helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.